Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you want your favorite 80s songs to lift your mood, play Virgin Radio 80s Plus. DAB Digital Radio, on the app, on your smart speaker, and at virginradio80splus.co.uk. Love Chris Evans. Love the 80s. Virgin Radio. 80s Plus. Welcome to the show. Aloha. Hang on a minute, wind your neck in. Welcome to the show. Vassos is here. Aloha. Rachel's here. Greetings. Aussie Jane's here. G'day. And later on, Scott Walker's going to be here. Tell us about Scott Walker, Rachel. Scott Walker is a kidnap negotiator and he has written an incredible book. It's called Order Out of Chaos. And at the start of it, he reminds us that everything, everything in life is a negotiation. So if you deal with people, if you speak to people, if you have to get around a person in a street, if you sit near a person on a method of public transport, if you have anything to do with people at any point in your life, you need to read this book, especially if you parent teenagers. That's the bit I'm really interested in. Everything is negotiation. Everything you say, every look, every glance gets you closer or further away from a person. It may leave you neutrally where you were, but it will have an effect. On everything, it's uh, just the best book. It's honestly, it's it's uh, it's a five out of five. It couldn't be any better. But we've had a couple of those this year. This is another one. It's got that magical combination of of of, of just amazing truths, things that he writes that you go, oh my word, yes. But then also he illustrates it with really gripping true stories. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. We're going to get into it later. Coming up on the show, the book's out today, Order Out of Chaos. It's already number one, I think, because he did an interview in The Guardian over the weekend and it went straight to number one in pre-sales. It's just a great it's really it's a really fun read as well mm. and it's really gripping because it illustrates every point that will be useful in our lives IRL in the real world with a story about an actual hostage negotiation and then he says okay so that's what I did and this is what I learned from that and this is how what I learned from that can help you when you're buying a, a paper tomorrow from the local news agent it's <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> also what's unbelievable today is this photograph of Tina Turner. So, sadly, we have lost Tina Turner, but she will live on via her music, and that's one of the great things about being an artist, kids. One of the many great things about being an artist. Front page of The Sun today, you were simply the best. Front page of The Times, uh, tributes flooding in, led by Sir Mick Jagger for Tina Turner. 1939 to 2023, Daily Mail. She was simply the best. The Mirror, simply the best. Death of a rock icon. The Telegraph, farewell to the queen of rock and roll. And the tributes go on and on and on. We will have our own tributes in a bit. But then there's this photo, all right? I'm just going to put this up on my Instagram. If you're listening later on the podcast, it'll already be up there at Chris Evans TFI, at Virgin Radio UK. Aussie Chain 
Tell us about this photograph, which I have never seen before. Coincidentally, about a month ago, I, I came across this photo in a group online that shares just iconic photos from around the world. And this is by fashion photographer Peter Lindbergh back in 1989. So Tina would have been about 50 at the time. And she's donning this incredible dress and the biggest high heels you've ever seen hanging on to the side of the Eiffel Tower and you can see the sprawl of the city beyond her. Uh, and basically, Peter Lindbergh, a few years back, he's sadly passed away as well, um, he said that there were no harnesses, nothing to strap her in. She didn't want any of it. He said, you can take your high heels off and we'll add them in later and she wouldn't have any of it. <laughs> so she wore a high... Wow. When you see this photograph, she's clinging on with one hand. You might be aware of that photograph, that famous photograph from New York of the steel workers having lunch 100 storeys above um, New York City yes. as they build, I think it was the Empire State Building, it might have been the Rockefeller Centre. It's that, but with Tina Turner glamour in Paris <laughs> and the Eiffel Tower. It's extraordinary. It's that in high heels. Yeah. Mm. She's not sitting down. She's holding on with one hand. It's not cleverly. It's not a cleverly taken photograph with some kind of um, uh, angle which is a sort of uh, illusionary angle. She's quite a way up the Eiffel Tower here. Yeah. Um, it makes me feel a little bit <laughs> a bit queasy <laughs> looking at it. And she just like looks like she's having the best time ever. Simply the best. Simply the best photograph. <laughs> it's like the visual interpretation of that old catchphrase, everything men do, women do backwards and in high heels. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> nice, Rachel. <laughs> Thank you, Aussie Jane. Oh, thanks, Chris. What about this photograph-sharing website? It sounds really cool. Uh, well, there's there's an online forum with thousands and thousands of subgroups called Reddit, and it, there's a big photograph-sharing... Oh, Reddit's, yeah. Reddit's really well-known. So there's it? a photograph um, sort of fan group within that. And it's just amazing photographs. Yeah, I'll find P private out. Private or public or professional? Oh, it's professional. all public, yeah. No, I mean, you know, like the photographs all taken by professionals? or uh, Not necessarily, but they are mostly iconic photos of very famous people. Photographs. Yeah. Photographs, they're great, aren't they? A good photograph yeah. tells a thousand stories. Thank you, Jane. Oh, thanks, Chris. She's the best. She's the best. She's the best. I have the best vicar, I think. It's not, on, it's not mine, you know, but not David your Vicar. Um, he's the 50th vicar of our 1,100-year-old church, All Saints in Marlow. And he's fantastic. He used to be, a, used to be in sales. Um, I think he used to say... <laughs> he used to be in sales and he used to... I think he may have been finance. Something with money. And he used to sell for Great Britain. He used to actually sell dinghies for Great Britain. And now he's a vicar. And he's a brilliant vicar. Because he's had a life. Do you know what I mean? He's, mm. he's relatable because he's had a life. It's like one of my favourite uh, business people, Seth Godin. He's so good because, you know, he's this business guru, but he's had businesses. So all these self-development people um, who basically... Uh, make a living out of telling you how to be happy, but have never done anything other than that. And they still, a lot, lots of them are still very good, but you go, well, this is all you've ever done. Just, you know. Um, whereas um, people that have had a life and then use their experiences to, to, to sort of compound or, 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 or um, sort of not justify, but there's prove that this is a good way of, or suggest this is a good way of living your life or, or whatever. Like our guest later on, Scott Walker, you know, who's who's a hostage negotiator. So he's been there at the pointy end of life and death, learned things and said, this could help you next time you, you want to buy a car. 
because it's about negotiation and you're always negotiating. So, but Dave the Vicar, he's, he's a real class act. So I, I do have tea with the Vicar, you know, more tea, Vic, mm. I do on a regular basis. It's about, I'd say, it used to be six to eight weeks. It's now probably a bit, it's, well, it's less than th every three months. You know, I see him a lot, but he, I usually go to his house for tea. He sometimes comes to mine. Today, instead of tea with the Vicar, I'm having an ice bath with the Vicar. Okay. But I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm he can, he, I'm literally inviting him to to dip his toe into more of my world, literally, and and the rest of his body into my world. The last person other than me in my ice bath was Sam Ryder. Great, Sam Ryder. If you watch the the penultimate episode of Ted Lasso, Sam Ryder features. Sam Ryder told me about his Ted Lasso secret in the ice bath on Saturday. That was quite the ice bath. <laughs> oh, I know. Was that before or after the Queen medley? It was. It was, I don't know, it was, I can't remember. I can't remember the chronology of it all. But I'm very excited about Dave, the vicar, being in the ice bath later. It's like Brilliant. a sort of reverse baptism. He wants to talk to me about a purchase. He wants my advice on a purchase. Ooh. Large or small? I don't know. Of He'd... your soul? You can't buy your soul. <laughs> That's your first mistake, Rachel. He did you offer sell to... your soul. <laughs> can't buy it. Yeah. Is that what you meant? <laughs> he does baptise people in the river. If you if you are baptised at All Saints Church in Marla, if you want to be baptised, you can be baptised in the river, and he loves it. It depends on the flow of the river. Mm. You know, if the amber lights on, no baptisms this weekend. <laughs> but if the green lights are good for going with the rowing club yeah. over the yeah. bridge, he looks at that, he uses their lights, don't tell them. <laughs> are we okay for baptisms this week? It's like your balloon ride. <laughs> oh, yeah, so now he's made a passion. He wants, to, he wants to chat about it in the ice bath. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the ice bath is like a, it's a, it's a, it's a safe seat space, of truth. isn't it? Yeah. Safe space. <laughs> yeah. Baptisms of fire and ice. Hells in Blackpool says, can you give Sarah a big good morning to cheer her up, please? She got a bit down about her injury at our karate class last night and she could do with a big hug via the medium of Virgin Radio to get her smiling for the day. Well, we do the best radio cuddle puddles. Hmm. We do, don't we? I think mm -hmm. we do. Joanne, and you know, remember, a karate club is only as happy as its least happy member. And that's what they're trying to cheer her up because yeah. cheer her up, cheer the whole thing up. Joanne in Sheffield says, very long time listener, but first time text. Woohoo! Can you please stop? No, that's not what I text us. I'm on my way to school to get my little year twos finished with their SATs. They've worked so hard and I'm so proud of them. What does SAT stand for? Standardised or oh, something test. Nobody knows, do they? No. Nobody cares. And they happen in America as well as here. They have their SATs over there. Standard assessment tests. How dull do that sound so. Boring, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And they have them in year twos. So they're they six. At the end of key stage one and the Why? end of key stage two. Why are we testing six-year-olds? To, to, to see how the school is doing. <laughs> school's doing fine. All school's yeah. doing fine. They're really working hard, trying to, do fi trying to be fine. Stop putting everybody under so much pressure. Viv says, up early to get some passport admin done. Don't talk to me about passport oh, admin. God. Had to retake my photo, but hopefully now it'll be on its way. So if you take your photograph... If you go to your Snappy Snaps or wherever mm. to get it professionally done, which is where we go, the top of Marla High Street, if you go there, they ask you, do you want a physical representation of your physog or do you want um, an, a digital version, an email version, or do you want both? If you have the physical version, then that will last forever, regardless of when you want to put in your application for a passport. If you want a digital representation, then that has a shelf life of, I think, of 28 days, and then you have to have a new photograph taken. Anything you want to know about passports, I'm your man. Well, I mean, I, I can't tell you how to get a quick one, but I can tell you everything else about one. 
Is it is it not good news? What do you mean? From the passport. We don't know. Situation. We don't know. Did we you don't phone know. the lady yesterday? Phone the lady yesterday. How La- was she? Very nice. Extremely nice. Couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. Ex- explain where we were in the process. Process is further down the line. The passport. My is it passport. Still in bootle? Here we go. My passport was being looked at by an examiner. Quote unquote. Oh, I like the SATs. What? Like the SATs. Why? What do you mean? Well, as in it's been looked at by an examiner. Yeah, will it pass? You know, do 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 passports fail? How does your passport Fails fail? Yeah. So why they call my question to my friend who has a show, right? He has a show based on Q and A's, and you're not allowed to look things up. Vast, you'd be rubbish at this. Hmm. You're not allowed to look things up. Well, I didn't look. The one time I didn't look it up, you phoned me to ask for the answer. I gave you my best effort at an answer. You phoned the show with the answer, and it turns out you were wrong. So my question to him was. My last question to him was, for his show, who was issued the first passport and where did they go with it? And why did they need it when nobody else had one? I think that's really interesting. That's a great question. It's a great question, but so far there's no answer. (laughs) So many questions. Tim Ferriss has a podcast. You can listen to it. It's called The Tim Ferriss Show. He wrote the four-hour work week back in 2008. It sold 10 million copies and continues to sell. Since then, he's had the four-hour chef out. He's had the four-hour body... Uh, but his podcast is huge, absolutely huge. He's one of my five, six, seven go-tos. Seth Godin is his guest on his last podcast, his most recent podcast, and Seth is also one of my go-tos. Seth Godin has written over 80 books, I think, many almanacs. The Carbon Almanac is his latest one, all about what is really happening with the planet. Okay, forget all the headlines, uh, forget all the myths, forget all your personal recycling for a start. And by the way, he's very pro, very pro us doing something about it. But he's saying there's lots of things out there that we're being told to do to make us feel better about ourselves so we'll calm down about other things. Anyhow, that's a 93,000-word must-read. But Seth is so wise. He's so wise for so many reasons. And here he is talking about why there's a lot of noise about one particular thing at the moment in the world, but it's very low signal, if any signal whatsoever. Here's why it's happening. Seth Godin on The Tim Ferry Show, episode 672 from a couple of days ago. Boomers have driven our culture since the day I was born. That when we were draft age, that was when the draft really mattered. And when we were listening to rock and roll, that's when music really mattered. And when people needed to make money for their family, that's when Wall Street really mattered. And now boomers are dying. And so we are living in a culture where there's an overhang of all these people with loud voices talking about the end of the world. Because it's the end of their world, but it's not the end of the world. How good is that? Wow. So good, isn't it? People of my age and a bit older, lots of them are saying it's terrible, things have never been so bad. History does not say that. The facts do not say that and feelings are not facts. And that is a brilliant clip and I'm going to play it one more time. Boomers have driven our culture since the day I was born. That when we were draft age, that was when the draft really mattered. And when we were listening to rock and roll, that's when music really mattered. And when people needed to make money for their family, that's when Wall Street really mattered. And now boomers are dying. And so we are living in a culture where there's an overhang of all these people with loud voices talking about the end of the world. Because it's the end of their world, but it's not the end of the world. It's the best. Mm. Simply the best. It's a theme for the whole show today. He's 62, by the way. It's radiators over drains. That's what it is. 
It's radiators over drains. Stick with the radiators. Radiator sounds a bit like radio. So mm. stick with us is what we're saying there. <laughs> Listen to podcasts uh, as I do and looking at podcasts as I do and being offered podcasts by all the various algorithms, algorithms as I am. Yesterday, some <laughs> some lovely names came up. A running podcast called Trail and Error about trail running. Nice. It's cool, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then Single Files, which is basically the story of a song, a single song, Single Files. And the latest episode is Single Files, um, Baby Shark. It's a 49-minute <laughs> podcast documentary on... How Baby Shark came about as a oh, song. Oh, you put it back in my head. Well, it's, it has to be in the head because of Jamie Tart on Ted Lasso. <sighs> Jamie Tart. Jamie Tart. All right, Ted Lasso Day yesterday. Forgot to mention it. We all went home. We all watched it. It's awesome. One episode to go of season three. Will there be a season four? Then there's another podcast, not Ladies Who Lunch, but Ladies in Business, starting up their own business. What's it going to be called? Ladies Who... Well, the phrase launch. Is, yes, yes, ladies who launch. Very good. Then there's Anything is Podable, which is all about podcasts. So to make your own podcast, Anything is Podable. I like it. I like it a lot. And then there's Butt Dial, which is not a clever play on words, but it's quite an intriguing name for a podcast. Yeah. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> I mean, I've I we both butt dial Rachel quite a lot, don't we? I don't yes. know why. No, I've only ever butt dialed her once. What do you mean quite a lot? Oh, I do it quite. He does it about quite a lot. Once a month. Well, you need yeah. to change her on your phone somewhere, or just don't put your phone in your near your butt. It's usually after we've had an exchange on WhatsApp. It yeah, WhatsApps then you. you. Then you call me. Yeah, I'm not on WhatsApp. I don't no. know how to do it. Somebody said you've got to get it on WhatsApp because I'm in Greece and I can't talk to you. So that's fine by me. <laughs> so they sent the text instead. See. See, no need for that particular convo. Of course, if you don't butt dial, but you dial somebody by accident, you still call it a butt dial. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. I like the word butt. B-U-T-T. Yeah. I like big butts and I cannot lie. (laughs) You know all that, don't you? That's one of of those schoolboy raps, playground raps that he knows all the way (laughs) through. (laughs) Do you want to give it a go? No, all right, don't give it. No, people are saying no. People are saying no. Are they saying no? People are saying that's probably wise. Give give us your cameo. No. Come on, because your cameo has never appeared on the podcast, and this is a podcast bit. Mm. By the way, we have a brand new podcast. It's doing really well. It's not brand new, it's a few weeks old now. 10 o'clock every morning. This bit of the show is always on it. Off you go. Start me off. I can't remember how it starts. Come up with the ladies around the world. Got a real thing to show you sometime. All the boys and girls. No, stop laughing. I'm mean, not doing it. I can't do it under these circumstances. I can't be expected to perform under these circumstances. <laughs> well, it would be fun for the listeners if you did. <laughs> Tina managed to so, hang off the Eiffel Tower in her high heels, and you're sat in a nice oh, little studio. Tina Turner, the amazing Tina Turner, has passed away. She's no longer with us. Her music, of course, and therefore. Her talent, her memory, her legend will live on forever. So, you know, I presume you know a bit about her story, if not a lot about her story. Very big in the 60s. Terrible, terrible relationship with her first husband. Managed to cling on to the name Turner. Came back and was huge on her own in the 80s. I mean, an incredible sort of career curve, which just screams never give up, doesn't it? Never give up. Keep knocking on those doors. Every no, every current, every present no is is basically a percentage of a future yes. The more no's you get, the closer you get to the next yes, but you still have to keep knocking on that door and seeing if people will answer and invite you in. She was massive in the 80s. Today, it's all about the 80s. It's all about Tina Turner. But the, there's this photograph that you may not have seen. 
Ozzy Jane, just recap on the photo one more time, please, if you don't mind. It's this incredible photo of Tina Turner clinging on with one hand to the Eiffel Tower, quite a far highway up. And she's wearing high heels, a really amazing dress, and you can see the sprawl of Paris behind her. And it's, it's, it's not faked, it's her. It is In her high her. heels, in her party frock. She's, and she's holding on with one hand and she throws her hair back to make it even more dramatic. But she is literally hundreds, if not thousands of feet, I don't know, no, it wouldn't be, might be thousands of feet. It's hundreds and hundreds of feet above the Paris skyline. And she's holding on with one hand in high heels. No harness. No harness to the, to the, to the side. She's clinging on. She doesn't look like she's clinging on. No, she, she doesn't. Like she's almost stroking it. Yeah, she, the the bravery, <laughs> you know. The fearlessness. Amazing. Yes. Um, this is from a website or a platform that we will now want to talk about a bit because it's yeah. interesting. So I came across this photo coincidentally about a month ago on Reddit and there's this amazing group on Reddit called Old School Cool where people just post photos of amazing things that have happened in history. It could be famous people. It could be like someone today has posted a photo of their grandpa on their uh baseball team in the 1950s looking very old school cool exactly that's the whole vibe and of they are group. they mostly black and white these photographs not exclusively but are they mostly black and white yes mostly i would say and they're all very very cool just give us the the last five to be posted because it's i mean I don't, i've heard about reddit it, the guy who owns reddit is married to one of the williams sisters i think or used to own reddit I know a bit about it, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not on it. It's a huge platform, but right. yeah, some of the last photos. The first one I found is Samuel L. Jackson cutting his wedding cake in 1980. He's wearing this amazing white suit. Then the next one down is a photo of the then Prince Charles as a four-year-old looking very bored at his mum's coronation. At the last coronation. <laughs> Looking bored out of his mind. Now he knows how we felt. Which, no, that's not fair enough. Yeah, not fair. Just goes on a bit, that's all. Anyway, go on. The next photo, of course, is Tina Turner, and it's her on set of Mad Max uh, Beyond Thunderdome. That was in 1985. And then we get into a Tina run. Yeah, a we Tina get, string. It's a huge Quite Tina rightly. run here. Um, she, we've got her playing a festival in 1969, an amazing photo of a dress that looks like she's wearing wings, and then someone's mum in 1970 looking very, very cool. Yeah, it's, I like it as a, as a. Can you can you have that without Reddit, or is that part of Reddit? Is it part of? Is it a branch on the Reddit tree? Yeah, they're, they're called oh, subreddits. Oh, see, that's where it already messes with my. <laughs> I can't get to that unless you just show it to me, which is all right, because we work together, so you can. I will. Thank you very much, Lee Jane. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Sorting out my life. Oh, shout-outs are plenty. It's nice that you want shout-outs, and it's nice that you text us, 87222. Start whatever you like on your text with the word virgin, and Jack is taking it. Jack's very good, by the way. He's right up there with Tilly and Felix as far as text industry is concerned. Ozzy Jane doesn't really do the text very often anymore. But Ozzy Jane, she set the bar. And then when Tilly and Felix joined, she, they said, how does she do? How does she get that many? How does she get through so many? How does she edit them down? How does she, how does she cherry pick the best ones? How does she print them? How does she get them through to Chris and then get back for the, the ones that are coming in as a response to the ones he's just read out? So, and I don't know if she gives lessons or it's like, you know, it's not what your parents say, it's what they do and you just watch them the whole time, you know, teaching from behind and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, they, they were very good. And now Jack, who's the newest member of the team, he's not a permanent member of the team, but he's awesome. And he just keeps bringing, bringing another show through. Here, have another show. Here's some more, sh here's some more of your show. Well done. Round of applause for Jack. Yeah. Well done, Jack. And he also looks a little bit like one of my favourite actors who I can never remember the name of. The guy who's in Shrinking. 
Don't say Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, what? No, not Steven Seagal. Yeah, Jason Siegel. Not Steven Seagal. Not straight to video Seagal. Richard from Northern Ireland says, hello, because the team I was just wondering if Scott Walker is in to talk about his new book or is he in to get negotiating tips from Rachel for his second book after hearing about her three-day working week initiative? Well, I thought the same. And I was reading parts of the book and thinking, that reminded me of my chat with Rachel. And you hadn't read this book before you talked to no. me and the management about Fridays and your new three-day working week. No. I know. Look at, look at her feet on coin. <laughs> no, no, I'm just brilliant at it. Lisa and Cambridge, some of my amazing fitness family are on day three of a 114-mile walk, Nottingham to Haverhill in Suffolk. Please, can you give them some cheers for encouragement? As I'm sure today's going to be hard. It's going to be hot, that's mm. for sure. Whatever you're doing today, hydrate away, my friends. Hydrate away. Rick in Clamess says, I think I can see the Chris Evans Ice Bath interviews coming up soon, maybe a YouTube series. I did think about it. There was talk of a while of this show going on talk tv and us filming it but like not filming it like we do now filming a radio show but actually doing a tv show that then is on the radio which might have worked and there was an ice bath interview section in that particular hour between eight and nine i mean we don't need that segment now because we're not doing that now so Piers, if you want it it's yours mate <laughs> julian york i'm not saying he needs it I'm not saying that. Julie in York, I've just purchased the audible version of Order Out of Chaos. I don't suppose we could have the names of those unmissable five-star reads you mentioned earlier. Need some new reads. Yes, I will give you the... Um, I'll do it tomorrow. Should we do it tomorrow? Beach reads. Mm. Beach read recommendations. Because people are planning the holidays, aren't they now? I'm still, I'm still in the middle of, will I or won't I go to Los Angeles on Sunday for work? Totally for work. Obs mm. for work. Now. But then there's the big holes. Where are you going again for your summer holes, Vassos? We're going to Vietnam and I think it's Laos, but it might be Laos. I think it's Laos. I think it's Laos. I think you're right and I'm wrong. <laughs> Where are you going? Canada. Okay, coast to coast? No. Not so, quite. No, no. So Rockies, Vancouver, Vancouver Island. We're going same house, same street, Los Angeles for four weeks. What about you, Ozzy Jane? Where are you going for your summer holly bobs? This time last year, you were getting married. You were getting married, weren't you, this time last year? Can you believe that? It's only a year ago. It's crazy. Mira is getting married. Mira is getting married. Uh, where are you going for your holidays, Mira? Honeymoon America, baby! Woohoo! Texas, New Orleans, Nashville, Memphis, New York, the United States of America. Mira, it's not only coming to get you, she's coming to count you. Because yeah. she's going to all of you. How many states in America? 50. Rachel? How many states? Yep. It's 50, isn't it? Yes, yes 50. Yes. My daughter Final and I have state. a game of... Final state. Hawaii? Yes, correct. Uh, yeah. Penultimate state? Alaska. Okay, Rachel? I don't know. Cool. You said you'd ask her. Uh, oh, <laughs> very funny. Very good. It wasn't worth it, was it? Right, moving on. <laughs> It's a you bit, only just got it. No, I have, but it's also oh. it's a bit like my wife's going on a cricketing holiday. <laughs> I'm to Spain, Ibiza, <clears throat> oh Mallorca. No, Ibiza outside the Ostap. It's that sort of area of joke, isn't it? And they're great. <laughs> oh my word! Shoby John is laughing. We don't know why. <laughs> Can't possibly be at the Hysteria. show, can it? Just fear. <laughs> Laughing I need, or crying. I need to get out of it. I need a new. I need to go back to the BBC as soon as possible. <laughs> Regardless of the doom and the gloom. 
So some lovely Tina Turner clips on the way, but what about this? Janis Joplin talking to Dick Cavett, legendary American talk show host and all-round TV guru, TV polymath. Janis Joplin talking to Dick Cavett about Tina Turner in 1969. Janis actual Joplin. Here we go. Who are your favourites? Tina Turner. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Tina Turner. Yeah. <laughs> She's my current favourite. She's the best chick ever. Fantastic singer, great dancer, fantastic show. Would you be shocked if I didn't know who Tina Turner was? No, a lot of people don't, but that's too bad. Um, yeah. She sings with the Ike and Tina Turner Review. Ike mm -hmm. is her husband and band leader. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, Tina's the show. <laughs> She's really terrific. Come yeah. by some night, Tina. Wow, that's cool, isn't it? Janis Joplin. 1969. So the way she owned the stage, you know, that strut, you know, did she invent the strut, the rock and roll strut, the swagger? Rhymes with Jagger. What does Mick think about that? Now tell me about the Mick Jagger. You got, you're friends with Mick Jagger? Is it true that you taught him how to dance? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice to take, take, on, take on that and, uh, as a as a feather in my cap. I didn't really teach him. When I first toured with him in 68, 66 was the first time, and then in 68, we were all there in the dressing rooms, and, and, and Mick mingles a lot, and he just sort of barge in the dressing room. Mm -hmm. And we just said, he said, I like to watch you girls dance, and we sort of just ponying around in the dressing rooms, you know, and just playing around. Actually, it was like influence, because when, when I first toured with him in 66, he was just doing the tambourine and sort of beating it. And the next time I saw him, he was doing the pony and sort of <laughs> moving it. You know, I was like, oh. So I didn't really teach him. I just think he was influenced by the girls and I. <laughs> and modest, you know. But can you imagine the first time, I don't know when it was, but the first time she appeared on TV like that, you know, owning the stage, bossing the stage, letting rock and roll writhe through her, her veins and just disappearing. She probably had to, you know, now knowing what we do about her life, she probably was just going someplace else other than the rest of her life, other than, than when she was behind a microphone singing those first few songs that she became renowned for. And then there was the 70s, which sort of disappeared for her professionally, and then she came back with a plum in the 80s. This is... Oprah interviewing Tina Turner from 2013, is that right? Oprah Winfrey and Tina Turner in 2013. You say loudly and proudly yes. that you're 73? Yes. yes. But I am at a stage where... Oprah, you can get emotional when you start to talk about that, to be able to get to this stage and say, even when it's time to leave and go to another planet? Yeah. Excited about that, because I'm curious. Yeah. I want to know what's... What is it about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody can tell you. Yeah. Because nobody has come back to. So I'm, I'm not excited about to die, but I don't, I don't regret it when it's time for me. I've, I've done what I came here to do. Yeah. Now it's pleasure. I've got great friends. I have a great man in my life. Now I have a great husband, and I'm happy. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you need a fix of some great 80s music, check out Virgin Radio 80s Plus. On DAB Digital Radio, on the app, on your smart speaker, and at virginradio80splus.co.uk. The Chris Evans Breakfast Show and the best 80s music. Virgin Radio 80s Plus. Our next guest is just starting the publicity for his first book, but we reckon he should be OK in an interview situation. He's distilled a life as a kidnap negotiator into the brilliant Order Out of Chaos out today. So let's welcome a man who is both a top talker and a Scott Walker. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, you are now in a level five listening situation. Absolutely. All right. Fully absorbed. We'll get on to that later, mm. uh, but please do stay by the radio or stay tuned to the podcast if you're listening to this, because you will not regret it. First of all, what do you do for a living? I am a kidnap for ransom negotiator, where I help families and companies negotiate the safe and timely release of people who have been taken. And you have now written this book, which explains or recounts some of those situations, and then mirrors how the things you've discovered can help us in our mm. lives, in all aspects of our lives. You say in your introduction to your brilliant book, which is out today, Order Out of Chaos, you say that we are negotiating all the time. Mm -hmm. Please expand on that. OK. We are, well, life is a negotiation when you think about it, and it's simply communicating because we want to influence and persuade and bring about cooperation all day, every day, whether or not it's with... Our colleagues, with somebody in the store, um, with our kids, but ultimately with ourselves as well. You talk about so many things that we could pick up on. I'm just going to cherry pick. If mm. I miss anything out, feel free to just, sure. you know, um, stream of conscience. Don't really mind. What about this one? Show me your routine and I'll show you your chances of success. Mm. Tell me about that. Well, routines and habits are really the foundation of how this works. And what I mean by that is, I know that for every negotiation I go into, particularly in a kidnapping scenario, I can't just get out of bed and rock up and jump on the phone with kidnappers. There's a bit of a routine there, which starts with mindset, for example. Really got to get into the right frame of mind, practicing, being able to let go of the ego, you know, bit of a positive reframe, etc., um, And then, you don't just do it once. You don't go to the gym once and expect to get fit. You need to go time and time and time again. So it's about getting the mindset right in the routines and actually just being in the best possible place yourself. To... Yeah, and you talk about fitness, physical fitness, mm. mental fitness and stability. And the fact that if you make... Because they do tell you about meditation. You don't... You know, if you meditate when you have to, then it's probably not going to work. You meditate when you don't have to, so you don't need to, when you do have to. Yep. And it's very similar. You have to be of stable body and mind. And I've reading your book, I'm thinking, oh my goodness me, I've worked with some amazing people who clearly 
don't have enough stability in their lives. And at their best, they are unbeatable, but their their mood is so mercurial yeah. that sometimes it's not their talent is not best served by their preparation. Yeah. And so if you can practice the small things in terms of getting yourself into the right place mentally, emotionally, and physically, when you get hit by that tsunami of overwhelm, of stress, of anxiety, and hey, it, there's a lot of that around right now, we can be that calmness at the centre of that storm and we can just bring a lot more objectivity and a lot more even compassion and understanding and calmness to you a situation. Compassion, empathy mm. um, and sympathy. Just speak to the difference between those three things briefly, if you don't mind. Yeah, OK. I mean, sympathy is the, oh, you know, Chris, I feel really sorry for you. Or I pity you, maybe. And really, we want to step away from that. It doesn't really serve anybody. Whereas with the empathy piece, particularly the cognitive empathy, that's me being able to demonstrate to you that I get you and you feel that. You know that actually Scott understands what I'm going through and what's going on for me. And that's particularly powerful when we don't agree. So if we're disagreeing on something, yeah, I can still demonstrate my understanding of what you're feeling. That's a superpower. And then you're more likely to listen and bring about cooperation. And then compassion is the far end of that spectrum where you can take a bit of a step back and bring a bit more objectivity to it as well. So, so sympathy is emotional, um, uh, empathy is more mental and compassion is a little bit of both, Yeah, yeah perhaps. Yeah. You recount, you create conversation between people, between bosses and workers and, mm. you know, the best way, if somebody's saying something to you and they want to be heard, what your response might be if it's not going to be helpful and then you say, and here's how to do it in a more helpful way. Yeah. And there's, there's there's different stages of um, reframing and clarity. Can you take us through the rhythm of the best way to do that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah in terms of that conversation, yeah. yeah. I, th I think the first thing is people want to be heard and understood, seen, heard and understood. And so if I bombard people with, I'm right, you're wrong, yeah. or a load of questions, it yeah. starts sounding a bit like an interrogation. Yeah. I'm going to shut down. Whereas if I can start off by maybe labelling, if I can identify what you're feeling, well, actually, Chris, do you know what? You sound a bit frustrated right now. Yeah, if you start telling me how I sound, yeah. not what I'm saying. Exactly. So and, then, and then you'll go, so actually, yeah, yeah, no, I do feel... Or even if I've got that wrong, it doesn't matter because I'm showing that I'm trying to... I'm curious, I want to find out how are you right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, say th you say things a bit like, so what you're saying to me is blah, 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 and you repeat what they say, so you let them hear it again. You're paraphrasing, really. You're yeah. paraphrasing, but but without additional criticism or trying to move your point of view forward or your stance forward. You're you're giving it all to them still, aren't you? You're giving them yeah. the spotlight, the limelight. Absolutely, because that goes to the one well, the golden rules of negotiation. It ain't about you. I know. Well, you say that, don't you? Yeah. You say that about because even if it's obviously you go, well, how come it's not about me? Because in your situation, in hostage negotiation, or you know, if you want a better deal at work or whatever, of course it's about you. Well, no, it's not. It's not. Ultimately, if you want it to be, it can't be until the last one percentile of the whole process. Absolutely. Until I can get you on board, until I know what influences you and you know that I'm, I'm kind of damn curious, I want to help you, I'm not going to get anything I want. You're giving me goosebumps because I'm fascinated by it. Three things fascinate me in life. Number one, stand-up comedians. How do they do it, right? Mm. Number two... 
What do football managers say to teams at halftime that change the way they play <laughs> to the point they can they can come back from a three another feet? And number three is negotiation. Mm. You know, whether it's buying a car, contract negotiation. I am fascinated by mm. what you do for a living. You say you, so many great things in the book. You say um, it's not about how, it's about who. Mm. Very similar word. I think some, somehow they were much more connected in the past because they're an anagram of each other. It, it, you may have a fantastic how of how to get the negotiation to go your way, but you will always first and foremost be having it with a who. Mm. And unless you get that who to listen, to meet you somewhere, maybe not even anywhere near the middle, it doesn't matter about your how. Mm. And sometimes if you've been thinking about your how so much and you're so impressed with your own strategy, your own tactics, it will all fall on deaf ears. Deaf everything, won't it? Absolutely. Let, let's talk about EQ. Mm. Um, there's IQ, intellectual quotient, and then there's EQ. When did EQ first come on the radar? It's not that long ago. It's only been the last couple of decades. Right. With some scientists were understanding, actually, there's a better way of understanding, you know, how people interact and communicate. And EQ really is about this self-awareness. And that's one of the first things I'd really recommend for people. If you can develop this sense of self-awareness of how you're coming across that is going to be better for everybody concerned. And then you can then relate to people in a better way. And that, so that is about this whole hell, hell yeah, this this whole feeling. Yep. So, so it's important to, to know what people are thinking or to try and figure out what they're thinking. But it's much more important for, to, to, to sense how they're feeling, how are you feeling in the situation. Feelings aren't facts, we know that. Mm. But they're often much more important than the facts. They are. When you think about it, as a species, we are emotional creatures that think, not thinking creatures that feel. It's the best. This is the best book. And so everything is fun emotion. (laughs) Everything we do, every decision we make, from the cars we drive, the fact we want a million dollars, whatever it is, it's to feel an emotion. You You don't want pieces of paper with pictures of dead people on it or a hunk of metal. It's the emotions we get from it. Your stories of negotiation, actual negotiation, are so compelling, you know, and they're like, they're all short stories. They're all true and they're all short stories, like three, four, five pages long. And then you start to reflect on the situations you've been involved in yourself. And then you start to say, okay, now, how can that help you? How can that help me as a dad or as a colleague or, or whatever? And then you have various rules, which give us another, another. you talk about breathing a lot. You give us lots of chances to breathe in the book, which is why it's so cleverly composed and, and constructed. Tell us about your so what, now what rule. Yeah, so what, now what rule, it just cuts to the heart of what's going on. So something has happened, you know, we get triggered. Everyone likes to be triggered these days. And so if we do, if we feel that emotion, by asking, okay, well, so what? What does this mean? Because we're meaning-making machines. And if we either give an empowering or disempowering meaning to what happens, so you and I, Chris, could experience exactly the same situation. One of us, it's the end of the world, game over. For the other one, it's like, do you know what? This is great. What an opportunity. <laughs> I'm going to transform my life as a result of this. So that's the so what you know, really getting to the point. And the now what is, okay, well, this is the meaning I'm giving it. What am I going to do about it? You you talk about the people that are in your CMTs. What's CMT? Crisis management team. Right. And so CMTs are formed in serious um, hostage situations and other situations, but where you're concerned in this book, um, kidnapping 
negotiating negotiating situations. And the head of the CMT can be somebody who's never done it before, like yep. the person, the closest family member to the person who's been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Um, and therefore they're an amateur, and you're not. You're uh, an absolute expert, the best, one of the best in your field in the world at this. What you talk about in the book, and there are certain rules that are really helpful. Tell us about the um, phenomenon of the brand new phone in negotiation and and why and it's not always taken first of all why it's a good idea and what happens when it's not deployed because the the elected head of the cmt doesn't think it's yeah and there's a case was involved in where that exactly happened family member had his phone which the kidnappers phoned on saying we've got your family member we want x number of dollars millions of dollars for 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 them and we want to bring in this clean phone we're the only people on the planet who know its number are us and the kidnappers. So what that does is it means we can switch it off when we don't want to speak to the kidnappers because we want to bring a bit of control back. But if we don't do that, and in this case, the family member held on to their normal phone, every notification, every email, every phone call, will send them off into a state of anxiety. Because it could be from the kidnappers. It could be from the kidnappers. And so you can imagine this wave of cortisol and adrenaline constantly just going through their body and it's not conducive to then get into this balanced, calm place where we can then have effective negotiations. And so what happened to this guy? Well, in the end, he lost his rag because he wasn't able to stay cool, calm and collected. Because he was on permanent red alert which you, and you cannot be on permanent you can't red alert. Be. It's okay for a few hours, maybe a few days, but not for weeks or months. In the end, he lost his rag with the kidnappers who were cool, calm and collected and went, okay, we're going to go and kill the hostage. And they hung up. And we didn't hear anything for months. So you can imagine the impact that has. And bear in mind, for for weeks now, we've been trying to tell him what he needs to do here, and he just wasn't listening. And so in the end, we managed to swap him over, and the negotiator's over, and... uh, we got the uh, got the hostage back. Well, I'm cherry picking here because I just want to I want to sort of light everybody up to do with the book. So, let's go to something um, a non sequitur as far as that particular experience is concerned. Let's go to um, the red zones, right? And our, so there is red zones around these situations, but we all have our personal red zone situations every single day. So if I'm <clears> in the studio here, yeah. I have a situation, a relationship with Vassos and Rachel, and then I go through to the control room mm. and there's a different relationship with the production team, yep. you know, and there may be sensitive issues here yep. and there may be sensitive issues in there and I've got to take my red zone with me. Yep. Tell, tell us about that. The red zone or the red centre, in a physical negotiation, it's where all the, the communications take place. But over, over experience over time, I've realised that we've all got this inside of us. This red centre is this place we can tap into, where we've got our own, I guess, superpower we can tap into, that no matter what happens to us, we're going to be okay. We've got the resources within us. We've got the mental ability We've got the techniques within us and to trust ourselves that no matter what happens, we can get to control what we think about, what we feel and what we do. Yeah. So that means actually it doesn't matter what happens, we're going to be okay. And so neutrality are a a place of, of 
a neutral centre is very useful. It doesn't mean you're disinterested or discompassionate or cold. It's just a very useful place to experience or to take in new information yep. that doesn't change your neutrality. It's just new information. Yeah, this is not about pushing away or denying feelings. Hey, you can feel whatever emotion you want to feel. You're doing so from a place of strength. Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, a great book from the Second World War, was saying there's this gap for when we get this stimulus, this trigger, and then how we respond, there's a gap. And that gap is all that we control. Yeah. You know, how are we going to react or respond rather to what happens? And this red center within us is that gap with which we can control what we now do. And if you do something twice, or if you do something once, you've done it 100% more than somebody who's never done it before. Yep. If you do something twice, you've done it 50% more than you've ever done yeah, it before. Yeah. And so the compound um, expertise or experience that leads to expertise is, is so relevant, isn't it? You know, And you talk about us getting better and better at things, and you talk about often first-time kidnappers you know, being as disrupted... Um, as the people they're trying to disrupt and as panicky, you know, and as um, uh, reactive, yep. uh, which is unhelpful. And you, because you do this all the time, mm. you can straight away, you can put down markers that they're not aware of mm. that start to cede control to you whilst giving them the the uh, the the image that, um, the impression that they're in control. Yeah, yeah. Give us some examples of that. An example would be around the phone. Let's use the phone as an example. Right. We've got a proof of life. We're into negotiations. But rather than having that phone on 24-7 and, again, have all those anxiety peaks and troughs, we want to bring some control back. So what we would do is we would encourage them to speak in a call window. So we would actually switch the phone off for maybe... 23 hours a day yeah. and only keep it on for two hours uh -huh. and that then allows everybody to build those routines and habits they're going to serve them and be helpful get ready for the show absolutely and we can plan and prepare and rehearse what we're going to say yeah what our objectives of each call are etc and even if we need to go run around trying to find the money the ransom money to then bag up and, and pay to them as well and the curveball within all that is the fact that it also gives the kidnappers 23 hours to ruminate so it can yep. be to start negotiating with themselves and start to wear themselves down because that comes into play as well and you talk about this decreasing increase strategy yeah, yeah. which i thought was absolutely fascinating can you just touch on that for a second yeah i mean you're obviously a top negotiator yourself chris you know in business and life over the years well you know <laughs> get that far <laughs> everything's experience anyway go on yeah but it's about each time we want to offer some money we want to do so, and it's less and less each time. Okay, because if we suddenly say, okay, there's your million dollars, kidnappers, yeah. they're going to go, well, that was easy. We're going to hold out for some more. Mm -hmm. And so, but when they come down, we want to bring them down, and then we want to obviously reward that by increasing it, but we want to do so less and less and less to manage their expectations right. about where this is going to end up. So this isn't about each other going down. It's about starting with a low offer, but then each necessary increase is less than the one before absolutely so it's so it's it's like it's painfully slow it, and it's psychologically it's signposting them to you got uh, no chance here. Uh, actually you may want a million dollars but we're going to come in at fifty thousand, 
and they can see where this is going, it may end up at maybe eighty or ninety thousand as opposed right. to a million. So straight away they reframe the whole strategy. And they yeah, and they bring in resistance and conflict. And I mentioned that in the book. Resistance is not necessarily futile. Sometimes it's important to have it in powerful conversations. It's just, you, sometimes you need that. You gotta read this book. It's so it's, it's so gripping. Rachel. Uh, how is it going to help me parent my teenagers? Yeah, absolutely. And I've got two teenagers myself and they've been the best testing ground in the world. I think it's about the emotional self-regulation again. You know, as parents, we want to go, right, this is what you need to do. I'm right, you're wrong. And so what I've discovered, whether or not it's wet towels on the bathroom floor, piercings, whatever it is, there's three lines I always like to use. When you, I feel because... So when you, Rachel, do X, Y, and Z, I feel this because this is how it makes me feel. And then you can then offer a strategy. Actually, would it be unreasonable if maybe you just picked up the towels each time you finish with them? And yeah, so when you, I feel because, and then offer the solution, and that can kind of take the emotional sting out of it as well it's your story of how what they're doing makes you feel yeah that's so you take ownership responsibility you can't blame them for how you feel but you can identify it through that behavior that they're doing and then offer a recommendation and often this involves substituting the you the pointing finger of you to the to the hand on the heart i feel so when you do x y and z that's quite objective comment but it's then i feel so own your feeling yeah yeah it's cool man Massive. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's I'm writing it's, it just a, it's the yeah. superest hack ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you say at, at some point that the kidnappers yep. or the teenagers, just like every other person harsh. alive, just, well, <laughs> <laughs> no harsh. But anyway, simply want to feel that they, they that they matter, yep. that their kind of that their needs and concerns are, are, are valid. And if you start conversations from that point of view, I thought that was really good. Yeah, we just want to be seen. Well, say first of all, seen heard and understood we want to be listened to and again particularly if you disagree with somebody if i can if i can relate to you or make you think i get you i mean wow that's just a you're off and running then hmm. i don't know if we've got any space at carfest anymore uh, because the man who's in charge of you today is very good at giving us gold uh, but if we have you got to come and join us at carfest people would love to hear you talk yeah, for now more than happy to do oh that, my goodness you. me you, and you're permanently on standby, or...? Yeah, I do less and less these days, but I do occasionally get a get the odd phone call. How, how just, we've, we are out of time. How does that work? So you get a phone call... Usually 2 o'clock in the morning, right. or when it's the most inconvenient time, and uh, sometimes it's just for some advice remotely. Right. Uh, but occasionally it's jumping on a plane. And off you go. And off I go. Wow. Um, Great to meet you. Thank you. You did not disappoint. <laughs> Your book is amazing. It's called Order Out of Chaos, Scott Walker. The audio book. Do you do? The, do you read the? I didn't write the audio. Yeah, people have already you. signed up for the audio book today during the show. Great. They can't wait to hear it. Um, how's the PR going? I know that it went really well at the weekend. It did, and and this week just shows you there's a need for this book. It hit number three, I think, in the in the bestseller list already. Yeah. Before today, and uh, yeah, it's a busy all week. You're one of those, mate. That's- Absolutely awesome. Thanks, right, that's us done for today. You're here tomorrow, Rachel. When you, I feel because that's just going <laughs> round and round in my head. <laughs> when you ask for Fridays off, I feel happy for you because I love you. Thanks, Chris. It's not a negotiation, it's just a confirmation of <laughs> the inevitable. Thank you, Vassos. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Goodbye, everyone. Have the best ever Thursday. We'll be here for the best ever Friday. Ta da! 
craving some great 80s music. Play Virgin Radio 80s Plus. On DAB Digital Radio, on the app, on your smart speaker, and at virginradio80splus.co.uk. I got my mindset. Chris Evans. Woo! Love the 80s. Virgin Radio. 80s Plus.